millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to monday.com. Welcome to the latest edition of the Football Writers Podcast, featuring me, Mike Calvin, Adrian Clark, the tactical analyst, and Anne-Marie Batson, the journalist and broadcaster. It's that time of year again. As members of the Football Writers Association, we're voting for our Footballer of the Year. Since there's not an outstanding candidate, it promises to be a close contest. The poll closes next week, but in an unaccustomed burst of efficiency, I've already made my choice. Kevin De Bruyne of Manchester City. Decent shout, Aid. Decent shout. I mean, he's a brilliant player, isn't he? I loved Kevin De Bruyne. But but you could say that about... Has Kevin De Bruyne been markedly better than Gundogan or Diaz or Stones or Cancelo or Foden or even Mares in, in the jobs that they do for that team? For me, Manchester City's amazing season is... It's down to everybody really being an 8 out of 10. No one necessarily being 9. I mean, I have, I've seen De Bruyne have some shockers this season where he, he, he cannot make a five-yard pass, but he's also brilliant. So, no, it's, yeah, it's, it's a great shout. For me, it's an easy call. I think there is an outstanding candidate, and he plays for Tottenham Hotspur, and it's Harry Kane. 21 goals, 13 assists in a team that barely attacks. They don't attack. Well, they didn't under Jose Mourinho. Very few touches. Very very little time spent in the opposition half. Yet here you've got a player that has just carried them. Obviously along with Son, but but carried them to, you know, in terms of the goal output and the assists. I, I just think this is Harry Kane's best season ever. I think he's, he's elevated his own standards as an all-round centre-forward to a whole new level this season. And I've cast my vote already, and it's gone to gone to Harry. Well, I told you it was going to be a close one, this one. What do you think, Amory? Where would your cross be uh, placed? I haven't chosen yet. <laughs> 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 I'm really struggling because you're both right. The choice this year, goodness me, after a, a, a weird year with the pandemic and everything, it's just it's such a tight call this year. I can't decide... Between Bruno Fernandes and Kevin De Bruyne this year, I think Fernandes has pulled Manchester United through this year. I know he tends to ghost in in big games, 
But he hasn't missed a lot of games through injury, whereas Kevin De Bruyne has. But then I'm kind of leaning towards the Man City captain because the way that he's been involved in goals across all the competitions this season, his passing, his dribbling, his creativity. I don't know. It's And I love him as a captain, actually. I like watching him as a captain. He's happy to shout the orders, bark at his, his teammates, sets up the set pieces. He gives really good post-match Interviews, I think he speaks with a lot of honesty as well. And, you know, he negotiated his own contract without an agent, so he gets a gold star from me. But I'm not going to base it on that, obviously. But, I mean, I'm leaning towards Kevin De Bruyne, to be honest. You know, I think there's a case to be made that for Kevin De Bruyne that he probably deserved to win it last season. But, of course, we're we're looking at, at this season. But... And in that season, you can say, well, Ruben Diaz is probably the best impact signing. You know, I take your point about Bruno Fernandes, Amory, that he's been Manchester United's best player consistently throughout the season. I would say, though, that he seems to have suffered through overuse and there's a burnout factor coming into play. Have you seen that as well, Aid? I think we've all seen it, yeah. He's... He's not as sharp as he was earlier on in the season. If there was a player of the year for the for the calendar year of 2020, for me, Bruno Fernandes wins it easy. He was sensational when he first joined Manchester United for that period. And then obviously up until New Year, I just feel fatigue has got to him. The, the contributions in, in open play in terms of goals and assists have really dried up the last few months. So, so I guess that's why I've sort of knocked him down to probably number three on my list. But yeah, he's, he's been sensational and he'd be a worthy winner. Absolutely. Because Manchester United have, have overachieved a little bit this season and, and he's a big factor behind that. But but yeah, I, I just feel the footballer of the year, I don't think it should really matter who they play for and how that team has done. I just think overall quality over the season. Yeah, I just... Harry Kane is, is just leaps off the page for me. But look, we can all agree to disagree and that's that's why we all love this game, isn't it? Yes, yeah, certainly. And and also, you know, with, with the FWA award, we, we talk about precept and example. So in other words, you know, is there another footballer out there? And, and obviously, I suppose Marcus Rashford is the obvious example of this, who, who basically has been a role model, not just to those who follow the game, but also in a much broader sense, over a year, you know, the pandemic, we've all had, it's been a time for self-reflection and it's been interesting to see. One of the features for me of this season or this year is the way that footballers who, you know, are traditionally excused or, or not excused is the wrong word, actually, they're they're criticised for being feckless multimillionaires They've actually got a social conscience and, and that conscience is being enacted. Not just Rashford, but the people like Jordan Henderson. Should we be maybe making, in a really difficult time and a special time, a unique time, should we be making a special and almost unique choice here, Anne-Marie, do you think? Isn't partly the, the criteria for the Football Writers Player of the Year is that you can look at what, he and she has contributed on and off the pitch. And in those examples that you've given, Mike, they're great examples. I would also, you can kind of back up AIDS selection of Harry Kane, what he did for Leighton Orient, 
paying for the, the sponsors. You know, in that case, then Harry Kane would win it 100% right because he, for what he's contributed for Spurs on the pitch and then what he's done for off the pitch as well. I think, I think that will be a factor this year because footballers have really used their platform this year to help out at a most tragic time that this society and around the world has ever faced. The food banks having, to, you know, um, offering to go out and visit people who suffer from isolation, making phone calls, helping the NHS. You know, the list is on, goes on and on and on and on. And I, even the clubs themselves have really, really stepped up during the pandemic as well. So, yes, Mike, I think there would be a case if, if somebody was really struggling with that choice, could they also look at what contribution a player has made because of the COVID-19 pandemic? Yeah. I fully agree with that. What about, if we're looking at Young Player of the Year, Phil Foden would probably be the obvious choice. Mine would be Jude Bellingham. I know 17, we've got plenty of time ahead of him. But he's one of those names, you know, I began hearing about four or five years ago as you know, rather much like you used to hear the name of Wayne Rooney being mentioned in this sort of awestruck whisper. He's come on and just been sensational and he's playing with the maturity of a 27-year-old. Who's your young player? Yeah, well, he's been brilliant and and he's obviously a lot younger than, than most of the other contenders, isn't he, Jude Bellingham? I mean, his ceiling is just is just so high. It's, it's scary, really. So, yeah, he, he'd be a contender. But because he plays abroad... You know, it's 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 difficult. I don't think that happens too often. Foden is the he's got to be the favourite. He's twenty. He's he's been sensational again for Manchester City. I don't know what the cutoff is. I always feel young player of the year should be sort of twenty one or younger. But often, someone older that wins it. And it, and if if it, if we go to to, to twenty two, Mason Mount would definitely come into the equation. Declan Rice, two others that I would chuck in. It's Bukayo Saka, 19, at Arsenal. He's just been, well, he's been Arsenal's best player, which at 19 is a fantastic achievement. It doesn't reflect well on the team, clearly, but <laughs> but he's been uh, he's been consistently brilliant. And the other one's a bit of a wild card, but I've, I've been hugely impressed. It's the Leeds keeper, Ilian Melier. I think he's, he's just 21, got better and better this season. And I think, I think he's a a number one goalkeeper that, that has an exceptionally bright future. So there's, there's a few to chuck in the mix. Mm. Anyone else you'd like to throw in there? Uh, Amory? Yeah, absolutely. So I, aid, I did check the criteria when I was looking at this and yeah. it's you, your age 23 and under at the start of the season. Yeah. And I, I old, wanted, isn't it? <laughs> so I, before I made my choice, I wanted to be absolutely clear on this one. So because he turned twenty four actually in March, I would go for Dominic Calvert Lewin for me for young player. There. <laughs> okay. And I know, I know, because mm. I did want to double check his age, but he does qualify for this because I think since Carlo Ancelotti became Everton manager, Everton coach, he's just come on leaps and bounds, hasn't he? 14 goals in 25 appearances. He's left Richarlison in the dust, quite frankly, when it comes to goal scoring opportunities for that team. And also, he's now probably seen as the second choice for Harry Kane, which I think is huge for England going forward. So uh, my vote would be for him. Yeah, and I'd, I'd throw another name into the mix. That's Wesley Fofana at Leicester. He basically came out of nowhere, another piece of terrific recruitment by Leicester. And 
again, the maturity that he's shown and the ease on the ball and his ability to, to read a game is way beyond his years. Uh, he's hugely impressed me. And actually, as Leicester have collectively, and I suppose this might have an impact on, on what I'd also like us to look at, which was, you know, who is our manager of the year? Obviously, Leicester still have to confirm their qualification for the Champions League. But I put Brendan Rodgers there as, as the manager of the year simply because he has improved as a tactician. He was, all, he was always tactically acute. But I think also he's actually grown as, a, as an individual, as a human being. And I thought it was very typical that he, that he helped to stop the game so that players could obey the breaking of, of, of the Ramadan Fest when they play Crystal Palace. He's someone, I think, that players actually respond to. And I think he's, as a, I think he's really matured into a fantastic manager. What do you think, I No, I completely agree. I've always liked Brendan, actually. <laughs> We've been doing this podcast for a number of years. And he, he did get a bit of stick from some of the panellists in, in his early years. But I'd like... I think if we go over the tapes, I, I I was quite I was quite a fan of him from early doors. But you're right, he's become more likable. He's become a better better man, I think, and and certainly more likable to players who seem to just really respond brilliantly to him. He's done a, a phenomenal job at Leicester. Yeah, he, he's he, he's got to be a candidate, especially after the disappointment of of that sort of collapse last season in the summer. Where they where they failed to qualify for for the Champions League, so to bounce back from that is, is is amazing. Pep obviously brilliant in terms of addressing the problem areas of the team, potentially winning the Champions League, walking away with the the title, etc. So 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 Pep's a shout. Yeah, there, there are others. <laughs> if what if Tuchel if Tuchel wins the Champions League, right? Tuchel wins the Champions League with Chelsea and the FA Cup which they'll be favourites for, surely he's got to be in the mix because he inherited Chelsea when they were 10th and they were treading water, going nowhere. And I just feel that the coaching job he's done, even though it's been condensed into a shorter period of time, then the coaching job he's done there is stunning. It's breathtakingly good. So, yeah, watch this space. Talking of watching this, but I, you know, I think David Moyes probably deserves a shout yeah, as well. Yeah. Any other any other candidate you think uh, deserves some uh, attention, Amory? Yeah, I'd like to for the the women's WSL for the FA WSL. I'd like to award it if I had the choice to Carl Award at Birmingham City because that team has been through the absolute ringer this season. You've had a squad that wasn't fully formed at the beginning of the season. Some of the squad have had to. Uh, they're studying for the exams or they've been dealing with the illness with COVID. You've had matches having to be called off because the pitches have been unplayable. You had a goalkeeper who found out literally 10 minutes before she was due to go on for Birmingham City that she wasn't going to make the Team GB squad and was absolutely upset about that. And Carla Ward had to sort that out. You've had the players issue a letter to the club about working conditions, which was highlighted in the press, despite the fact that the club reiterated its commitment in a rather lengthy statement. They've had an injury crisis. They've had the lot there. And somehow, Carla Ward has managed to keep it all together, so much so that they managed to grab an equaliser in their big derby game against Aston Villa, which will mean, hopefully, they will stay up 
this season because it's literally only a point or two between the the bottom three and four in the WSL. So for me, for everything that Birmingham City women have been through this season, Carla Ward has done an amazing job. So I would award it to her. Ah, fascinating! Fascinating to find out all that, Mike, isn't it? Yeah, that's about it. I was unaware that that that, that they've been through so much. Just very quickly, if I could take it back to Moyes, because we, I, I think he deserves more of a mention. I sort of looked at looked at his best season with Everton. Got to sixty one points and qualified and got fourth place in the Premier League in oh four oh five, a year after they nearly went down. He's on course to beat that, isn't he, with West Ham? So it's it's a, it's a remarkable effort. And of course, West Ham nearly got relegated last season. So he's got a bit of previous. So Moyes is a, he's a definite contender. And one more, and I know you'll probably laugh, Mike. But why is no one talking about Oli Gunnar Solskjaer and how good he is? They've only lost four. Four games. Unbeaten away from home. They did the double over Man City. It's a happy ship. Unbeaten versus the current top six. Obviously, they they got smashed by Spurs early on in the season. Oli Gunnar Solskjaer, still, still not getting a mention. <laughs> so I just thought I'd chuck nope. it out there. <laughs> Sorry, mate. No. <laughs> I, yeah, I think, you know, the, the David Moyes thing is a really good example of another area that I think we should look at is, is what, you know, what is the personal achievement of the season? And for me, it's Jesse Lingard's comeback. He was surplus to Solskjaer's requirements at Man United. That was patently obvious. And he's basically reinvented himself. I think there's been a fantastic example, not just of, of footballing smarts, but also mental strength. You know, the character that he's shown over the last year or so has been immense, I think. Anyone else out there who's particularly impressed you in, in a personal sense, Amory? I'd agree with you, Mike. I think Jesse Jesse Lingard has come full circle now. And I think he learned a lot, a lot of lessons about himself as him as a player. And also what he, uh, you know, the stuff that was going on in his personal life as well at the same time. I think, not I think, I believe leaving Manchester United to go on loan has been the best move for his career. He just seems, we've talked about it before on this podcast, he's reinvigorated, he's rejuvenated. The energy, the dynamism that's in that team now, there's a bunch of young lads who are just hungry to play. They show no fear. They work together. It's They're all part of wanting to make West Ham a better team and they're just so close now to playing in Europe and can you imagine him being part of that next season if if they decide to extend the loan, if Manchester United and West Ham could come to an agreement, whether it be another loan or maybe the you know a permanent opportunity? For me, yeah, I think you know just watching him grow and and blossom and see him smiling as well because you know he's a good looking lad. Um, <laughs> to see him happy is uh, it's been brilliant for me this season. Yeah, well, I suppose when you think of it also, he's likely to feature in the Euros. And on that subject, Aid, it's been confirmed that Gareth Southgate can pick a 26-man squad instead of 23. So who do you think will be the beneficiaries of those three extra places? Good question. It's tough because obviously we don't know who would make, who would have made the 23. Can I just, if we rewound it back to achievement of the season, and he kind of covers this as well, what about Patrick Bamford? This yeah, a guy that most people, myself included, wasn't sure wasn't sure he's Premier League standard. <laughs> he showed in the early weeks. 
he absolutely is Premier League standard. And he yeah, he's tailed off a bit of late, but phenomenal effort from him, I think, I think this season. He's been one of the division's best centre forwards. So yeah, Patrick Bamford, he's up there with Lingard, not quite as dramatic, but but it's a great story as well, I think, for him. And and he yeah, he he could be one. I don't think he will. Just just think he might might fall a little bit short. The main beneficiary could be Trent Alexander Arnold. I mean, I would never leave him out of my twenty-three in a million years anyway. But 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 I felt like that was where it was heading with Southgate not sure about his defending. He loves Carl Walker because he can play right side centre half and right back. He, he loves Reese James. He, he, the other guys have, have had opportunities ahead of Trent. So so Trent surely has to be in there. You can't leave him out of a 26-man squad. I think Madison's blown it. I think that, that episode and form has cost him. And I, I suppose the one that stands out as well is Grealish. Now, for me, Grealish, provided he's fit, he walks into the 23. It, to me, a fit Grealish walks into the team. But again, if there's a possibility he might, might miss out on a 23. The extra three places surely surely makes Southgate's mind up to to gamble on him, even if he, he might not be 100%. Mm. What about, you know, Aid mentions Kyle Walker there, Amory. One of the highlights of watching him against PSG was him matching... Mbappe stride for stride, which is uh, is basically the Usain Bolt test, isn't it? As in football terms, can we deal with the? We look forward to the the Champions League semi-finals, the return legs. What struck you about Manchester City in that that first leg in Paris? For me, what came across was they they've got a newfound ability to deal with adversity. You know, they maintained their focus while PSG were just you know, on Pluto somewhere. They, they just completely <laughs> lost their heads. Um, does that a fair summation? And, and what, what struck you about Manchester City and how do you think the return legs will go? I was really worried for Manchester City when Marquinhos got that goal because I thought, is this City overthinking things again? Because they were playing so defensively and I did feel they were chasing their tails a lot within that first half, but it was breathtaking chasing tails a lot if that makes sense. But they didn't panic. After that goal, I was like, oh, goodness, what's going to happen here? Are they going to crumble? Are they just, is there going to be loose balls? Because you saw that a lot. The minute there was a loose ball, somebody like Di Maria was all over it or Angel Herrera was all over it. So I, I was a little bit concerned. And then whatever Pep said in the dressing room or whatever they all said to each other in that dressing room had a remarkable change because they came out with a more offensive look, but they were still very calm about it. They didn't go too deep, which is what they were doing before. And the lead up to the goal for the equaliser, I think, you know, for the, it just, they just looked so calm out there. It was a terrific, terrific second half, great mindset, hungry. They were organised yeah, it's like I said, they just did not panic. And I love the fact with the, the Kevin De Bruyne goal because obviously Foden got fouled. And just seeing the ball, I had to go and watch it again on the highlights because I wanted to be double sure. But the fact that the ball, when it came flying over, it bounced and then flew over Navis's head and took him completely by surprise. It just gave them that, that extra step. They have the belief, you know, you can never question City's belief at all. It's just that they didn't panic. And I think that was the theme that was running through 
particularly the end of the, the first half and then more into the second half. And then obviously with Mares and that fantastic free kick and the wall separating. I mean, go back to the drawing board, gents. What was that all about with the wall from PSG? Mm-hmm. Um, and I like the fact that Kevin De Bruyne, again, as the captain, when Mares says, oh, can I take it? Kevin De Bruyne says, as long as you believe that you can score, yeah, go ahead and look what happens. So, yeah, fantastic performance. And I'm fully confident now that uh, City should win the second leg. And isn't that the maturity that Mike was talking about, Anne-Marie, isn't it? It's having that maturity to say, actually, yeah, like they've been, they've played together for a long time now. It's like, yeah, if you if you really feel confident here, you can have it. I think a more inexperienced team would be like, no, I'm supposed to take this. Manager says, I've got to take it. And 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 yeah, they, they've... They're almost managing themselves a little bit more instead of relying on a pet genius master plan. I think this group has, has learned to manage games a little bit more themselves. Obviously, Pep had a big input in the game, but I felt that the players took more personal responsibility in, in that particular second half. And it was it was great to see them so assertive, so aggressive and calm, like you say. I think that's the be- that, that's how that's the blueprint for for City and and for them winning the Champions League this season. But it won't be if they do go through and they meet Chelsea. It won't, it won't be easy, as we saw in that FA Cup semi final. Yeah, I you know if I know this is in danger of becoming a, a Kevin De Bruyne loving, but um, <laughs> you know I I don't mind going on the record. I can see him exacting revenge on Chelsea for letting him go in the final. And it's it is a funny a funny sort of time at the moment, isn't it? Chelsea are almost ha- they have boomerang players. You know, there's there's talk in, in in the papers about Romelu Lukaku going back to Chelsea. If you're Chelsea, would you go for him again, Amory? I thought Romelu Lukaku. I saw the story as well. I thought he was really happy being over in Italy. From Chelsea have enough players. They've got enough quality in that squad and I'm not suggesting that Lukaku wouldn't be right for them it's just that I think they've got so much quality in that squad why why do they need somebody else I, I don't understand that and maybe because the whole Erling Haaland thing has probably fallen by the wayside but I, I don't get that one particularly because of the quality that they have in in the squad and the depth they have in that squad it's pretty much on the levels of of City we talked about this the other day can you honestly say that Chelsea's got a a B team in that squad I I don't think you can it's the same with City as well it's just Chelsea and just Manchester City and I think for Chelsea they've spent so much money over the last season or so why can't they use what they have because what they have is top 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 (laughs) top top notch they've got so much of it it's like we'll (laughs) we'll just buy another one do you know what I, I slightly disagree on the basis that yeah they've got loads of players but have they got a brilliant goal scorer no Timo Werner I think you have to say has been a disappointment not writing him off but he hasn't done it and have they got and obviously Kai Havertz is a is a good false nine option but in terms of their big number nine options, Giroud, clearly not not going to be the man to drive them forward under Tuchel. He'll be leaving and Tammy Abraham will be leaving. Lose those two, bring in Lukaku. I think the squad's, squad's in pretty good shape. So he's, he's still only 27, Romelu. So I think he's got three more really strong years in him, at least. So I actually see the sense in it, but let's see if it happens. Yeah. What about you? You mentioned Tammy Abraham, their aid. 40 million has been 
mentioned probably somewhat optimistically as a fee. If you're another Premier League manager, would you go for him? Yeah, lower down the league. Yeah, for sure. I think. Yeah, he's he's a good he's a good striker. He's I think his minutes per goal ratio is quite quite tidy this season. He gets on the end of chances. He's just I think at the very elite level, and that's where Chelsea want to be now under Thomas Tuchel. Obviously, they've always wanted to be there, but 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 yeah, the, there's a really concerted effort to be among the elite, and I just think he he falls short. So so yeah, I could see him improving most teams around mid-table or below. But but it, whether, whether that's for Tammy is another matter, isn't it? There might be an opening at Tottenham, of course, uh, depending on my whether my footballer of the year uh, moves on or not um, <laughs> this summer. And and there is a little hint, subtle, though it, though it is from Harry Kane, that, that he wants to win trophies. And, and I, I feel that I feel that this is, it's maybe now and ever for Kane to, to, to make that move. And if he does go, Tammy Abraham, not dissimilar in style, obviously a massive downgrade, but but he 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 might get a move to someone like Spurs. But but if that doesn't happen, I think slightly lower is where where he'll end up. Mm. Are we being slightly premature, Amory, in in pretty much anticipating an all English final here? You know, Real Madrid, you know, they came back you know, well. Benzema has got that ability not just to carry a team, but almost a club at the moment. Looks like they've got uh, Ramos back for the for the semi-final, for the second semi-final. He's always capable of doing something, <laughs> sometimes <laughs> nefarious. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. We shouldn't write them off, should we? No. And I think for me, Chelsea needed to score another goal in that Champions League, just to, to put the, the slight doubts away. Yes, it was, it was a convincing performance. The first half, certainly, I think the second half was a bit of a damp squid for me. I just think just getting that extra goal just added that a little bit of daylight between Chelsea and uh, and Real Madrid because there's still lots of work to be done. And, and as you rightly say, Mike, if, if you know Sergio Ramos could be playing in, in that next game, and I know it will be on, on home turf, I, just, I don't know, I wasn't... I just kept thinking, just get another one, just get one more, just have a bit of daylight, a bit of insurance between you and 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 Real Madrid. And it didn't come, so yeah, I I, I don't want to. I'd I'd love to see an all English final. I'd love to see it, wouldn't we all? I, I'm just not. I'm not sure, and I, I'm hope. I hope I get proved wrong in in the second leg, of course, and I'm hoping that also Conte as well gets to play in that match because did he ever stop running at all in that entire match? <laughs> he's so um, good. I must so admit, he's so I, good. I actually, I actually did think about him for football of the year. I just love him. I just think you know, as you said, Amory, that ability he's got to actually steam up the pitch in about the 95th minute is just it's unbelievable. He's just. I think what they call it, just an, he's got an engine, let's put it like that. <laughs> yeah, and the other thing in football aid, which you'll know well, is is the whole, you know, they call it the immutable law of the X, the, the former player who comes back to haunt you. Mm. Now, Eden Hazard came back on, uh, came back as a substitute in the first leg. Presumably, the last thing that you'd need as a Chelsea player is one of your own former teammates, in this case, Damien Duff, calling out Hazard for being overweight and unprofessional. That'll go down, that'll go down well, well, won't it? Yeah, I mean, if Eden gets to see that, yeah, it'll be a nice motivation for him. Whether it'll be enough to, for, for Zidane to put him in the team or not, 
I don't know because he, he's yeah he's he's not had a lot of game time has he Eden Hazard. I still think that's a long shot. Yeah, of course it can happen. It's a great narrative, isn't it, for us journalists, for him to come back and and haunt Chelsea. But but the form book tells you that he's just he's not operating at, at, at the high enough level at the moment to impact a game of such magnitude. But look, we'll have to wait and see. I, I do agree with Amory. I think they probably need they could have done with that extra goal. They were definitely the better team, the younger team, the more dynamic, definitely more athletic. There's a bit more magic about Chelsea. They've got more players. I mean, this is against Real Madrid, who who are all about having magicians. They just don't have that much magic anymore, do they? This Real Madrid side. So for me, yeah, Chelsea should go through. And if they don't, they'll 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 look at that first half over there in Madrid in the pouring rain and, and say that that's where we lost it. Mm. I'd just like to end, if I could, with you, Anne-Marie, and what we should call, I suppose, the other Champions League, the Women's Champions League. Now, there'll be a 24 million euro boost in terms of cash as part of the competition's revamp next season. The 16 who qualify for groups are guaranteed 400,000 euros. Some of that money has come across in a in a subsidy from the Men's Champions League, around about 10 million euro, apparently. How important is this upsurge in financial compensation for women's football because it does seem to me that it's being taken seriously now. 100% agree with that, Mike. And if you needed, if anybody needed any more convincing of how how much the Champions League when it comes to women's football is important, watch that game, watch the highlights between Bayern Munich women and Chelsea women because that was just it was excruciating watching it for the last 20 minutes or so because it was just so much end to end from both those teams and the quality to the two best teams probably I think in women's football personally and I, and I love my Arsenal women of course Aid. I'm a big supporter but Chelsea they're they're just on another level to everybody else in the women's game and up against Bayern Munich, who are a top, top quality women's side. It was just end-to-end, breathtaking stuff, energy, dynamic as well. And I think for me, that's what every women's football team is aspiring to do. They want to get that opportunity to play in Europe and you need investment behind that to showcase the top, top, top elite. So yes, it's hugely important. It's a good move forward. And I think it's an opportunity now for other teams to push themselves. And the fact now that there is an additional spot from the WSL this season that will be able to play in the Women's Champions League, that should, fingers crossed, aid, go to Arsenal women uh, who are sitting in third in the table, looking over their shoulder. Of course, they've got uh, Manchester United women not too far away, but hopefully Arsenal have done enough now because there's two games to go. They've got a massive goal difference between themselves and United Women, I think they've done enough to secure that third spot. So, yeah, brilliant, brilliant stuff. And it's what it should be, that competitive, the top elite playing against each other in Europe, Mike. Yeah, lest we forget, women's football was an afterthought in the Super League plans, which it's becoming clearer by the day, could have been written on the back of a fag packet. The decision to increase investment in the women's game is brilliant news because, as I said, at least and at last, it's being treated with the seriousness it deserves. What do you think? Please let me know, but don't bother. 
if all you intend to do is recycle the old jibes about no one caring. They do, trust me. In the meantime, thanks to Anne-Marie and Adrian for their insight and to you for listening to the Football Writers Podcast. Small details are big surfaces. Tight corners are odd shapes. Flat, rounded, textured, or tall. Whatever your next project... There's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rust-Oleum. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.